The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Jesus said to his disciples, The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If, therefore, you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. All right. Praise God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the other day I was at, uh, I was at just doing my grocery shopping in Reno, and you know, as we all do, we all go grocery shopping in Reno. Cheaper. And as I walked through the grocery store, this, this, this woman grabs my attention. She's like, oh, I've never seen her in my life. She's never seen me. Walked up to her. I said, excuse me, man. I was still dressed as a priest. You know. I said, excuse me, but I thirst for you. And she looked at me awkwardly like, what? Who is this weirdo? Complete silence. And then what she did next? She slaps me across the face. <laughs> just kidding. Nothing just happened. <laughs> sorry. That's a horrible, horrible joke. I know it is. It's a horrible joke. I'm sorry. That's one. Of the, by the way, one of the reasons why you can't be father, because I'm filled with bad dad jokes. Okay, so. But wouldn't that be awkward though if I if I literally went up to a woman, a complete stranger, and said, "Hey, by the way, I thirst." For you. What an intense thing to say to another human being. I thirst for you. What if that be so awkward if someone walked up to you? Hey, Steve, what's up, man? I thirst for you. Bizarre, right? That phrase, I thirst, was made famous. It was why, when, as you leave, to grab a bulletin, because in the bulletin there, it was originally shared in one of the women's groups, but it's a reflection on Mother Teresa, which she wrote, which she wrote about that phrase, I thirst. This strange, strange, strange phrase. In all of the missionaries of charities, chapels throughout the world, they're spread throughout the world. We even have a, we have the missionaries of charity in Sacramento, in one of the, one of the worst neighborhoods in Sacramento. That's where they tend to go, to the worst places and cities. In all of the chapels, 
They're very simple chapels. They have no pews, by the way, in their chapels. No pews. They're kneeling, standing, because they want it to be painful in a way. So they offer that as a prayer. But in all their chapels, they have that awkward phrase. I thirst. It comes from John chapter 7. And wherever you go in the mission as a charity, you will have that phrase right below the crucifix, which says, I thirst. If you go to the, one of their homes in China, we'll say it in, in, in Cantonese or Mandarin, I thirst. If you, go to, if you go to South America, they have it in Spanish right below the crucifix, I thirst. No matter where you go in the mission of charity, that phrase is there. Because Mother Teresa took that phrase and she meditated and reflected upon that. Strange two words. If you remember when Jesus was on that cross, he yelled out that phrase. And on one level, it can be a a physical thirst. Because imagine, he's just been in prison all night long. They probably didn't feed him in prison. They whipped him. They made him carry a huge cross across Jerusalem and up a hill in the hot, blaring desert, desert sun. So as he was nailed on that tree, do you think Jesus was thirsty? Oh, you better believe it. But Mother Teresa saw something more deeper than just mere dry throats or mere dry mouth. No, she saw something more profound. That she saw Jesus when he cried out, I thirst, that he was thirsting for my love. He was thirsting for your love. He was thirsting for humanity's love. That God thirsts awkwardly for us. You know, the past couple of weeks, I've been that broken record trying to argue that it is only in loving relationships that we find our truest happiness, right? I've been yelling at you for the past two months now. That it's only in a loving relationship that we find our deepest happiness, in a sense, our truest goal. But before we can have that answer, I think we need to take a couple steps back and first ponder the initial question. Why do we exist? Why do any of us exist? Because we ask ourselves that question, then we can figure out what the answer is. So why do you exist? Why do I exist? You know, the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle, he meditated upon this and he, and he developed what's in philosophy called teleology. It's from the Greek word telos, which means end, the end. He would argue that any action, any object, any being, when in order to realize its potential, to realize its good, its goal, it must achieve and answer that question why it exists and to satisfy it through that why. So everything that exists has a goal, he says, Aristotle. To kind of put it another way, look at it this way. Why does a chainsaw exist? Why does it exist? I got a chainsaw in my mind because I'm, like many of you, I'm getting ready for winter. And I got a magnificent wood pile at the, at, at the church in Porto. It's beautiful. Don't touch my wood, by the way. I'm I'm hoarding. I'm a hoarder. 
Why does the chainsaw exist, by the way? It exists, so ask, why does it exist? It exists because to cut wood, right? That's its end. The goal of the chainsaw for its existence is to cut things. Can you go fishing with a chainsaw? It'd be awkward, right? You're up by Frenchman Lake and there's a guy out there with a chainsaw fishing. That's, 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 that's dumb. Why does a fishing pole exist? To catch fish. So the goal of the fishing pole, its end is to catch fish. Can you chop wood with a fishing pole? No, you can't. That'd be dumb. So again, ask the question, why then? See where Aristotle is trying to get at with this. In order to, to figure out the good of any object or any behavior, it's all geared towards an end. Every being, every object has an end to it. Now, if that's the case then, why do we exist? What is our end? See, if we don't ask that question then, we're, we're, just, we're, just, we're just flipping around the world trying to figure that out. Do you remember a generation of Catholics who know this? Do you remember, because the whole generation was formed by this, with the Baltimore Catechism? Do y'all remember that, Baltimore Catechism? The older Catholics would know this. Because what the Baltimore Catechism was, was a bunch of questions and then answers. And so they would drill children with the questions and then provide the answers. And they would have to memorize the Baltimore Catechism, a lot of the answers and questions. And so if you remember that question in the Baltimore Catechism, why do you exist? Do you remember the answer? No. I'll, I'll read it to you so you don't have to go back. Marilyn. Why do you exist? God made me to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next. My friends, that's the why. Why do you exist? Why do I exist? We exist because you are created to know him, to love him, to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next. That, my friends, is the human why. So everything now in our lives must be in, in, in service to that goal. Otherwise, if we don't do this, we're fishing with a chainsaw. We're cutting wood with a fishing pole. And we'll never achieve its goal. And that is why Jesus today was absolutely clear in the gospel. He says to them, You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is, is a general term for the world. It's a general term. And in order to kind of penetrate this mystery, we must first understand the concept of what the Jews had at that time period of the world. Because they had two notions of the world. One was this world, was a fallen world which we all live in. They called it the Ha'olem Hesah. That's this world. But then they also had an idea of the world to come. The Ochalam Chabach. Meaning the world, the true world, the world that will be fulfilled in heaven. 
So for every Jew, what Jesus was speaking about, they had these two concepts of the world. And so what Jesus here was trying to say is, you are not created for this world. You are not created for here. You are created for the world to come now. And so what our Lord is trying to hammer home and trying to drill into humanity is, because oftentimes what happens? Again, being that broken record, what do we do to replace God? The four, the four classic substitutes for God. Money, power, honor, pleasure. These four things classically are what we use to fill that gaping hole that we have with our lives. We fill that, replace God with the fallen world. And Jesus says, no, you are not made for that. You are not made for more money, more power, more pleasure, and more honor. Otherwise, we are again, we are just fishing with the chainsaw if we think that all of those things will bring us happiness. Because that is not our end. We are cutting trees with a fishing pole if we think if I achieve just more of this, then I'll be happy. That is not the end. Now to begin to see why God says to humanity that I thirst for you. That I want your love. I want your affection. And all that awkwardness that entails. Because those four other things are constantly tempting us away from what our true end is. brothers and sisters you're not made for here you're not made for here and when we begin to understand that we'll finally realize our true end in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit